It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Your Locked On Senators, your daily podcast on the Ottawa Senators. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Tim Stützle, and you're listening to the Locked On Senators podcast. Welcome inside episode 207 of the Locked On Senators podcast. I'm Ross Levitan in the heart of enemy territory, downtown Toronto, alongside Brandon Pillar up in Collingwood and the Canadian division. Well, the idea was fun. While it lasted, at least that's what we think. The situation ongoing, but some new information yesterday just shows that it's not as in stone as you may have thought. One thing we do know is the NHL needs money, and they've agreed on a new revenue stream. We'll tell you what that is, where the Sens could play if they do go south, but also we know a senator has gone south. Yes, Anthony Duclair signing with a new team. We'll tell you who that is, and then get back to our organizational value rankings. The countdown continues and more. This is the Locked On Senators podcast. Your team every day. Today is Friday, December 18th. And if you listened to the show yesterday, we said we were going to have a roundtable today with Locked On Leafs and Locked On Habs. But, Pilsy, the premise was all about a Canadian division. And, well, I think that may have uh, hit a snag, to say the least. Yeah, the life of a daily podcaster. And Ross, one day, well, I mean, these episodes are probably long gone, but we need to have like a bonus edition of podcast subscribers where you can listen to all our deleted and unused (laughs) episodes. Like this is now like at least five or six full episodes we've recorded only to finish and have them all become completely irrelevant. Like you said, we did a, a combined episode with Locked On Leafs, Locked On Habs talking about how is the all Canadian division going to shape shape up? Who's going to have an advantage in this division? Uh, it's talking about all the fun rivalries of an all Canadian division. We spent half an hour going over this next day, the day we plan on dropping the episode, completely irrelevant Canadian division, probably not going to happen. Great. So Pilsy, let's break down why that is. But first, if you do want to hear that All-Canadian Roundtable with Locked On Leafs, Locked On Habs, check out either one of them. I believe they are going to air it today still. But with Frank Saravelli, he tweets out yesterday a statement from the Public Health Agency of Canada saying, quote, the government of Canada's priority is to protect the health and safety of Canadians. The resumption of sports events in Canada must be undertaken in adherence to Canada's measures to mitigate the importation and spread of COVID-19. NHL teams and other professional sports teams must operate within the rules of their provincial jurisdictions for sports or sporting events. Basically saying, you're not going to dictate the terms of this. We're trying to get this virus under control that is clearly out of hand, especially here in Ontario. Well, really coast to coast, um, maybe outside of the Atlantic bubble. But man, when you look at that, how much do you see this as posturing because the NHL definitely was the first to get this out there and then the reaction from public health of candidacy does the NHL think that they're going to get the public court of opinion on their side I think maybe that's part of the strategy like they're hoping that uh, the outcry of this is going to help persuade health officials to at least be more lenient like 
like we remember talking about the OHL when the whole fiasco about is there going to be body contact or not and parts of the government were like no there will not be hitting like that's that's that and then Doug Ford ended up uh, commenting saying "Mm, maybe actually we're going to try to find a way to work with this so I think that's what the NHL is hoping to do here is at least have some sort of conversation with uh, public health officials but I don't know when you look at in the past, the the teams that have tried to play, the Blue Jays, the Raptors, they all went down south because they couldn't get something done. And the only reason the NHL worked was because it was in complete bubbles in Edmonton and Toronto. So this is going to be interesting going forward here. And those bubbles, not off the table, seems like any strategy, any way they can make this NHL season work is under consideration right now. One thing that's different from the Jays and the Raptors is those were federal rulings by the Canadian government because that would have mean for cross-border travel between the States and Canada. Otherwise, it would have just been scrimmages because they only have one team in each of those leagues. Whereas for Canada, it's the provincial governments because you are going to have travel from BC to Alberta to Manitoba to Ontario and Quebec, whereas that's where it's different. So the NHL wants to play in all 31 buildings. That's their goal is to have it much like the NBA is getting ready to do, much like Major League Baseball outside of Toronto did. And the NFL has been doing outside of San Francisco another situation where it's just one team that's displaced because Santa Clara County has a full lockdown. They can't play there, so the 49ers are playing in Arizona. This is a bit different than that. However, it, it seems like, yeah, well, it's definitely travel between provinces that's the only issue. I don't think it would be an issue, let's say, for Toronto and Ottawa to play interprovincial. But once you get the, the different governments involved, that's where it's a little too bureaucratic for my liking. Yeah, definitely. And I think, I don't, I don't know how they're going to do this because I don't th- the bubble option I don't think is an option. I think if they're going to do anything, it's going to be a pod situation like we're seeing the NCHC doing, right? Where you want to keep people in one area, but they're not locked in there, you know? Like they can go home, they can, they can go back to wherever they're living with their families and stuff like that. Still minimal travel. Like I don't think they're allowed to like leave the town and stuff like that, but they're not stuck in a fenced in area like the players were for the playoffs. But I don't know if players are going to be so interested in that because the ones, especially Dallas Stars players, were, were talking about how hard it was to be stuck in a bubble like that. So if they do do these hub cities, it's going to be really interesting to see how they do them, how long they're going to stay there, how many teams are going to be there. I, I just, it was really disappointing. I was all in on this all-Canadian division, even though it kind of hurt the Ottawa Senators. It just would have been so exciting and something cool to do in these weird times. Yeah, great for the game of hockey. Hey, uh, great tweet from Brad Salosman uh, down in Nodak, where the Nodak sends are. Well, he's actually in the Omaha pod, but he was saying, hmm, if they have to go to the States, I wonder where the Senators would play. And you got to think the Ralph would be a hilarious, yet unrealistic spot for them. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think I came up with three hilarious and also unrealistic spots. The number one has got to be Grand Forks. Like, get the Fighting Senators playing there. You already got half your prospects there. That's just nice and easy. Number two, what if they went back to bingo? Keep the bingo Senators going. I'm just trying to keep the theme going here. And then number three, this is the craziest one. Shout out Laleem's Martian. He thought of this one. But Ottawa, Illinois. (laughs) So they could still be the Ottawa Senators. I think either one of those three would be hilarious. And either one of those three, probably not going to happen. 
wherever they do play, one thing is nearly certain, and that's new advertising. It sounds like the Sports Business Journal reporting yesterday, it's all but certain, maybe voted on as soon as today as we're recording here on Friday, December 18th, that there's going to be some helmet ads. And I think that we discussed this maybe a week or so ago, and I likened it very closely to having numbers on the front of the helmet. It was jarring at first, but I honestly don't have a problem with this at all. We had some great answers at Send Central on Twitter. We put it out. What would be a funny yet like appropriately realistic? And Tim Turkiff, he had the, the best answer going, please not Uber. <laughs> yeah, that would be, hey, maybe, maybe you can amend the relationship there because I'm sure the relationship between uh, the Ottawa Centers and Uber is a little cloudy. So maybe that would help. But I think the the two clear favorites have got to be Timmy's and Canadian Tire, right? Like you want, I think with these helmet ads, it's it's not going to be too jarring. Like you said, it's going to be tasteful. And I think there's two things you want to try to hit on here. You want to try to find a company that kind of reflects the area and the culture of the team. And then bonus points, if you can also uh, follow along the color scheme, which both the Timmy's and Canadian Tire with the red would do. I'm more in favor of the Timmy's one. You already got Canadian Tire as the arena rights holder. So the Timmy's one just looked nice and clean with the red and that's just classic Canada. For me, the the only problem with the Canadian Tire one, do you remember some teams in minor hockey, they would have like a, a, a yield or a stop sign on the back? On the back, so, yeah. Yeah. This Canadian tire, just the upside down triangle, kind of gives me yield vibe. So hey, well that's good. I don't want any of the Sens players getting hit in the head. Maybe yield if you're gonna crush someone in the skull. Yeah, hey, you make a good point there. I can't argue it. Um, I would say a local company would be great because that that kind of promotes this whole supporting small businesses. Although they're gonna have to pay for the sponsorship. Yeah, there's the issue. So that that does create a bit of a problem. I would love it to also have to do with the team. And I, I found it kind of a missed opportunity in the NBA. Like, why aren't the Charlotte Hornets, why don't they have Raid on their on their jersey? Like, that sort of thing. You what know? are you saying? The Liberal Party should sponsor the Sens? No, how about Trojan Condoms? Because you, <laughs> like, you already have the same helmet. Yeah, I mean, that, that would be good. And I think there's a couple, uh, I think, I don't Play know. Play safe. <laughs> yeah, true. That, that's also playing it safe. You got to be protected out there. Um, I think some of the NBA teams have sponsors similar to that. It, it might be the Timberwolves, I forget. But one of them is Bumble. Bumble is their uh, jersey added, which I thought I that was the Clippers. Kind of funny. Uh, Clippers? Okay, yeah. So, look, that's, that's an option. Yeah, I like it. Well, if you have any other thoughts, we do have a thread going on Twitter with over 30 replies. So get in on that if you just want to laugh and scroll down or if you want to add your own, have your say at Send Central there. Yeah, Pilsy, the potential's there for, for some real fun advertising. And I hope they go that direction. We know the Sends have that new advertising firm, so or the marketing firm, I should say. And let's uh, let's hope they put the wheels in motion here and make something nice. But I'm just curious where it's going to be. Everyday Sends put those mocks up, but there's already advertising in that spot, right? The, the helmet company wants their name out there just as much. So I'm curious to know where they're going to put it. Maybe instead of the logo on, on the side of the helmet, I'm not sure, but it is going to be interesting to see what happens there. Gil Martin here, host of the Locked On NHL podcast. Join me every Monday for the three biggest stories from across the NHL, including how newly traded players are fitting in around the league. Check out the Locked On NHL podcast every Monday, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. One thing I found very interesting, A, that Mike Hoffman and Anthony Duclair hadn't signed, but 
That is no longer the former Ottawa Senator assigned with the Florida Panthers, a one-year, $1.7 million contract, clearly less than he was offered in Ottawa initially, as reports were saying it was as much as three years, 4.5 per year. He must be kicking himself for not taking an agent, you would think. And you know what's funny about this? The first thing I thought of with this whole situation, and the irony is there, Brian Dezingle. Similar scenario, right? Like, there was rumors that the Ottawa Centers were going to offer him a bunch of money. Five by five. Yeah, a bunch of money for good term. He says, no, I can do better on my own. I'll do better in free agency. Waits it out, waits it out, waits it out. Doesn't do better in free agency. And Ryan Dezingle had a tough year. He was a healthy scratch in the playoffs for a couple games. So that didn't work out. Who would have guessed who would have guessed his style didn't fit under John Tortorella? Yeah. Yeah. Well, that, that was with the blue jackets, but then when he signed with the hurricanes, even he was a healthy scratch in the playoffs and a healthy scratch throughout the season. Right. But he didn't do himself any favors with his value. Once Ottawa ultimately trade him for Anthony Duclair and a pair of second rounders. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But I think, look, we're, we're not here to, to mock Anthony Duclair for his decision. I think it's clear that he probably made the wrong decision in hindsight. I think experts and people around the league could have told you that for months at a time that now is the time, especially that you should have an agent working for you. But this, this is still a good opportunity for Anthony Duclair. I mean, 1.7, that was pretty much the same contract the Sens gave him, right? Right around that same area. So you got a $50,000 raise. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Hey, not, hey. not many people getting raised during a pandemic. So exactly. I mean, not bad. And tax free. You're going to Florida, nice weather. Sure, the COVID situation isn't really uh, much better there than anywhere else, but you, you got the nice weather. And if he gets a chance to play with Barkov and Huberto, look out. I think he could put up a lot of points because that's a line where he can kind of hide in the shadows and be available when, when scoring opportunities arise. He doesn't need to really drive a line as much as he would when he was in Ottawa. So this could actually be a really good chance for Anthony to declare. And I think it was smart for him to go for another one-year deal instead of signing, like, let's say, a three-year deal at $2 million, million or something because – there, he has to have a better back half of the season than last year. There's, he might have had the worst back half of a season in the entire league last yeah, year. Right from the All-Star. Ever since he was named to the All-Star game, he went the last 29 games of last season. He scored two goals, both empty netters. So he hasn't scored in a goalie in 30 games that he's played. So, I mean, that, that to me says a, a lot. Like We know goal scores are streaky. But he's more of like a, a dynamic offensive player. I wouldn't just call him just a pure goal scorer. He attacks with speed. He gets in on the four check. He can do a lot of things. But, man, the inconsistency is always there. I, I'll recall Craig Button on Leafs Lunch during the start of this, this offseason when he hadn't signed in that first wave in the first two weeks. He said the only thing consistent about Anthony Duclair's game is inconsistency. So I thought that was pretty well said, but we are cheering for him. I mean, he did have 40 points, 23 goals with Ottawa last year, and was a soldier on and off the ice. An NHL all-star, you could say. And what I find really interesting here, Pilsy, is he has a relationship with both Bill Zito and Joel Quenville, and not necessarily positive ones because when he played under both of them for – for Quenville in Chicago, very briefly. And then Bill Zito was the assistant GM in Columbus, where we know how that situation unfolded. John Tortorella not wanting to put on the ice, even had some stern words to the media 
about Anthony Duclair. So I find it very interesting that those two decided to take a, a swing on him. Are, are you surprised at all? A, a little bit surprised, but also, man, desperate times call for desperate measures if you're the Florida Panthers. You're, you lost Mike Hoffman and, and Evgeny Dadnov. That's 60 goals, basically, out of your lineup. And they didn't really have a choice. And if you're looking at this from the Senators' perspective, Dadnov for Declare, one for one, and we get two extra years of Dadnov, I'll take that all day. Uh, we're, like we keep saying, we're cheering for Duclair. This is a 25-year-old who's already played for the New York Rangers, the Arizona Coyotes, the Chicago Blackhawks, the Columbus Blue Jackets, the Ottawa Senators, and the Florida Panthers. Who's he competing for for that spot in the top six role there? Gregory Denisenko. And thanks to our friends at betonline.ag, Gregory Denisenko, third highest Calder trophy odds. You got to think they believe he has a chance to get to that spot. Let's get into some lines because the Senators just disrespect it. We got to talk to our friends over at Bet Online. Get some better odds for the boys here. This is uh, kind of embarrassing. Let's start with the Jack Adams, or we'll save the Jack Adams. That's the juiciest, I believe. But since we're on the Calder with Gregory Denisenko, what do you find more appalling? The fact that not one, but the two biggest favorites are both New York Rangers or the fact that Quentin Byfield is plus 1,000 and that Tim Stutzla is plus 2,000. Well, it's first of all, congrats to the Rangers. Like This team is going to be an absolute dynasty coming forward here. Lafreniere and Shesterkin are if the their top ball, two. If their ball didn't knock out the Leafs one, I would hate on them so much, but I, I give them a pass because of that draft lottery. No, I'm I'm excited about the Rangers. Like this is a team, this is one of those scenarios where when the Rangers are doing better, the entire league is doing better. That's yeah, a little Well, how about uh, Sorokin coming for the Islanders too? This another like Shesterkin 2.0. That's going to create an amazing rivalry coming forward. Exactly. That's what you want to see. Like this is a major market. You're talking Madison Square Garden, the, the like the lights are on. You want this team to be good. So I don't have a problem with that. And they're not in our division, so that's fine. I think when you're when you're talking about Byfield and Stutzla, I don't know if I would uh, I think the odds should actually be greater for those guys because it's pretty likely right now that neither of them will play in the NHL this season. So I don't know if I'm touching either of those bets, uh, to be honest. Yeah, maybe wait until Stutzla does sign his entry-level deal. I still believe it's going to happen sooner rather than later. I think within 24 hours after there's a firm announcement and schedule out, you could see it while he's at the World Juniors that he signs that ticket. But that's neither here nor there because it's a hypothetical. Well, aren't these all? But let's get to the Jack Adams, the Favorite is Barry Trotz. No surprise. This guy is just one everywhere he's gone with that Stanley Cup complimenting him in 2018, but really taking this ragtag Islanders team on a couple good runs and really not being a surprise anymore. Now you just know the Islanders are a great team. However, DJ Smith ranks 31st out of 31 coaches. He has the longest odds, tied with a few other guys, but plus five thousand on betonline.ag is that something you're gonna sprinkle a couple shekels on i've already sprinkled a couple shekels on that because that man dj smith is such a good head coach like when he was initially uh, announced as the head coach a lot of us were disappointed just because he was the least known name on there and he's a guy coming from toronto came that, under yeah that's kind of an exclamation point yeah that usually rubs people the wrong way but 
Man, talk to anyone inside hockey circles. Uh, Jamie McLennan, that's a good example. We talked to him. He's in between the benches for most of the games. He's a big DJ Smith fan. If you didn't listen to that uh, interview with Noodles, go back and listen to that. I At plus 5,000, like the Jack Adams is one of those awards where I'm actually looking at teams like I wouldn't be looking at cup contending teams to win the Jack Adams. You're looking at a team that's going to, like you said, the ragtag kind of teams where a coach really brings us all together. I think that works out perfectly for DJ Smith to have at least a chance at this Jack Adams. Like plus 5,000, the odds are worth it to at least sprinkle a couple bucks on there and see what happens. So that's what I did. If DJ Smith has any chance at the Jack Adams, it means Ottawa would be in playoff contention. And that would mean they would have a better than 10,000 to one odds to win the Stanley Cup. That, again, is dead last with the. No, the Red Wings are. The Red Wings are even worse. 15,000. Wow. All right. Shout out the Red Wings holding up the rear end there, but Ottawa not doing too much better. 10,001. And let's put that in perspective on betonline.ag, the Colorado Avalanche plus 700. So long shot, maybe? Hey, but this is another scenario where you you have to put at least one dollar or something because if this I don't I'm not saying this is likely, but if things happen and uh, this uh, the times we live in, crazy things can happen. If the Sens made a run and you didn't put a little bit of money on them to win at plus ten thousand, you'd be kicking yourself. So you got to do that out of uh, just so in hindsight you're not upset with yourself there. Yeah, I'm doing it as we speak, putting $5, and you can too. Just go to betonline.ag and stay tuned if you missed it yesterday. This is our official betting home here on the Locked On Podcast Network with promo codes coming soon as well. Gil Martin here, host of the Locked On NHL podcast. Join me every Monday for the three biggest stories from across the NHL, including how newly traded players are fitting in around the league. Check out the Locked On NHL podcast every Monday, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Pilsy, let's get back to our organizational value rankings. And again, if you missed yesterday's show, we're counting all the way down from 63. Three. Well, we had a couple honorable mentions, but yesterday we had our first group, which included Nikita Zaitsev, which included Cole Reinhardt, and it included Eric Engstrand. And now we move to next on our list. Coming in at number 58, it's Michael Haley. How would you summarize his last season? First off, I want to say when this deal was announced, I actually liked it. I think a lot of people were, this was the fourth kind of tough, big guy the Senators brought in. And a couple people are just like, oh my God, what are we doing here? Another tough guy. But the key here is the AHL money. It's very clear to Haley and to the Senators organization that he's most valued as a player in the AHL. They give him 200000 in minor league money versus 700000 in NHL money. So it's clear what his role is. And last season... He played 22 games with the Rangers, so in and out of the lineup, hanging out in the press box a lot. One goal, 50 penalty minutes. He had seven fights, according to HockeyFights.com. I watched a bunch of them, including he went up against his teammate, Austin Watson. That was kind of a quick one. Patrick Maroon, which he actually kind of knocked him out. He got had a really good haymaker that brought him down. Uh, Ross Johnson. The, the thing with Michael, uh, Michael Haley that I like a lot is he, in every single fight I've watched, he is undersized massively. 
And that doesn't affect his confidence. And he's a lot older than a lot of these guys. Like, he's got years on them. So I like that he's going to play in Belleville. You know, maybe his uh, hockey skills won't get as lit up down there. He's going to be in a fourth-line role protecting these investments. So I think this is actually a decent signing. However, he's not somebody who you expect seeing the Ottawa lineup, hence his spot down low. And like I mentioned, if you hadn't listened to yesterday's show, the way we're doing this is like trade value on Chell, basically. So that's why Nikita Zaitsev is holding up the bottom because four years, 4.5 million. We're putting out a thread on Twitter if you want to follow this entire countdown as we put them out. But when it comes to Michael Haley, my expectation for him is just what you said. Go down in Belleville, play every game. I would expect him to at least. Like he can go in and out, but there's a fourth line role for him down there. And let's, let's put it in perspective. When he played, he's a point per game player. In his last three years in the AHL, two games, two points. <laughs> but, hey, he, he's a guy who has been playing only in the NHL outside of those two games for the last five years. So he brings that sort of experience, and he brings games played in the NHL, 270 NHL games in his career. And he's only two years removed, Pilsy. He was 11 games in the lineup when San Jose had that run to the West Final. Yeah, and that's what I was going to say. A a big part of him coming to Belleville is his veteran leadership. There's only three players older than 25 on Belleville. That's Logan Shaw, Matthew Pekka, and Michael Haley. So he's going to be leaned on as a veteran voice in the room. I feel like he's going to be a guy that he's going to spend a lot of time on the bench, but you're going to hear him. He's going to be yapping. He's going to be encouraging his teammates. He's going to be helping these young guys when they're feeling down about themselves, how to uh, maintain a professional lifestyle. I think this is a this is a good opportunity for some of these young Belleville players to learn from a guy who's been through the thick and thins of the NHL. 57 is one of those other older players, but you said over 25. How about a 24-year-old down in Belleville? And I actually really liked what I saw from Michael Carconi last year. He put up 27 points, but what I really liked is he was on that kind of middle six line with Jordan Suarez and Alex Formanton. So you had the two kind of more experienced and not like these guys are old. I mentioned Carcone only 24, but they they just kind of played that, you know, safe style of game. So I think you need that. He was a regular on the penalty kill with the, with the B-Sense first unit as well. So I think that he brings some versatility down there. But again, Pilsy, not a guy I expect to see in Ottawa. Yeah, exactly. And, and that's just the thing here. Like, I think people overlook when they're looking at Belleville, they're just like prospects, 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 draft picks, young guys like that. That's what Belleville's for. But you need to shelter these guys and have some solid players around them. And guys that, like you said, it's very likely Michael Carcone is not going to get a chance in the NHL, but he's here supporting these uh, young prospects. He's the guy that's blocking shots he's making that first transition pass to get it to Formanton so that he can have a breakaway you need guys like that that are comfortable and can play a good safe game in Belleville because otherwise it's it's too too many chefs not enough cooks you know what I mean like you need to have some guys that are comfortable with just supporting other players and I think Michael Carcone did a really good job of that yeah very well put I like that and he plays both left side right side he's a left hand shot but again adds versatility to a Belleville team. So I see him as, again, a middle six guy down there. He can play in the top six if you need it, if you have call-ups, if whatever the situation is with COVID, I'm putting aside. I'm saying if it's a normal AHL-NHL split, he can, like I said, he can play top six, or he's okay if he plays 10 minutes down in Belleville. So it'll be interesting to watch Carconi, who was kind of a throw-in. In, in uh, which trade did he come over? It was one with the, with the Leafs. 
Was that was that the CC trade? I think so. Yeah. Yeah, I think so as well. So hey, just a throw in for that, and he's a guy who has won a Calder Cup as well with the uh, with the Toronto Marlies. Had ten points in thirteen games during their run in twenty nineteen. So again, adding that leadership which you do need in those situations. So Carcone coming in at number fifty seven as we move to number fifty six, a little known defenseman, Jonathan Aspera. I mean, he kind of flies under the radar, but that's just how he plays as well. He's a younger guy than maybe some give him credit for, kind of get, getting lost with all the left-hand D in the system. But he has already proven in his first year in Belleville, he's a serviceable player, like 16 points plus 14, and really was just a steady presence. He was paired sometimes with uh, Hubert Labrie, and I thought that they did a great job shutting down other teams' top six. Yeah, so did I. Solid AHL defenseman. And the Sens, they obviously liked what they saw from him. They gave him an entry-level contract, which, again, a lot of people on Twitter were like, what are you doing signing this guy? But you need guys like this available. Like last Undrafted, year, too. Yep, undrafted. They actually had been scouting him for quite a while. He was at Dev Camp in 2018. So they knew about him. They knew what was going on. And this is the kind of guy like the the Belleville Senators their defense rotation last year was crazy like you had EC uh ECHL call-ups uh guys they told you to get your gear at one point (laughs) you almost got in a game hey I did wear Christian Yaros's uh old practice skates when I was bombing around there in the belly mascot uh, costume (laughs) so maybe I could have laced up there yeah, you need you need defensemen who can, and I hate to say this, but just be there, be ready. They can you can play them in uh, good roles. They're solid guys, and he was a plus fourteen Ross in forty four games. Like say what you want, but that is pretty consistent, and that's solid. It earned a three year contract too, so he's not going anywhere. Expect to see more of Jonathan Asprock going forward. And like like we were saying though, the the left shot, yes, there's a log jam in the organization. But this guy is making near league minimum, and he is providing some capable help on the back end. So could we see him maybe a little bit in the East Coast League over the years? Maybe. But I actually really like what I saw consistently from him in Belleville last season. So hopefully that trajectory continues upwards. A guy who I think we're a little higher on than most. Do you think he could scratch and claw, as I talked about a former Moncton Wildcat, up to the NHL level? I think if we saw him at the NHL level, that would be a scenario where you got an Andreas Anglin situation. Yeah, exactly. You you've got a an NHL defenseman who's going to be out, let's say a week, maybe a week and a half. You don't want to bring a Branstrom up. You don't want to bring a Yaros, uh, Lajoie, Thompson. You don't want to bring those guys up quickly just to send them back down. So he's going to be a guy that can come up there if he has to be in the press box just to be available. That's fine. If he's got to play five to ten minutes on a bottom pair for three games, that's fine. No one's going to pick him up on waivers probably. So I think. That's the kind of move where you need to have extra guys like aces up your sleeve, like uh, Jonathan Aspero here, in case of emergency. In, in case of emergency, break glass and use Jonathan Aspero for a couple games. I love it. I love it. We got three more coming for you tomorrow as we work our way up the value chart. We also have our always exciting Central Citizen. And hey, you never know, maybe something will come out of the NHLPA's call later today. But it is worth noting LeBron tweeting out just now that the NHL does not have a call scheduled today. So won't, won't, won't. Why would they? There's not no pressing matters that they got to figure out, right? Yeah. Well, we've got pressing matters and that's this organizational list. Let's recap from the bottom. So two honorable mentions to Marion Gabrick and Anders Nielsen. 
then 61, Nikita Zaitsev coming in at number 60, Cole Reinhardt, Eric Engstrand at 59, Michael Haley at 58, Michael Carcone at 57, and then Jonathan Asperot at 56. Plenty more to get to, to number one, which we are hoping comes out the day before the Sens start the regular season. Stay tuned to the Locked On Senators podcast. It's your daily home for Ottawa and Belleville Senators content. You can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and follow us on Twitter too, at Send Central. For today, we say goodbye. Enjoy the start to your weekend. We'll be back on Saturday for Brandon Piller. I'm Ross Levitan. This has been the Locked On Senators podcast, your team every day. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.